Welcome to the Nuggets, Inc. podcast presented by Avaca TV, a proud sponsor of the Denver Nuggets and Colorado Avalanche. Today, we're going to get into several topics, including impressions from training camp in San Diego, early standouts, how does MPJ and Jamal Murray look, thoughts on Zeke Naji, who looks like he could win an award. With the season right around the corner, the best place to keep tabs on the Nuggets is with Avaca TV the most affordable option in Colorado to watch regional sports. For $25 a month, subscribers can access Avs, Nuggets, Rapids, and Rockies games anywhere via their phones, tablets, or laptops. To get all of that access, sign up at avaca.tv. And we are back for the Nuggets, Inc. podcast. Your host, Matt Schubert, talking with Mike Singer, Nuggets beat reporter for the Denver Post. Just spent a week in San Diego. Actually, La Jolla. La Jolla. La Jolla, however you want to call it. Yeah. On the beach, getting sun, looking at ladies, watching the Nuggets. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. We're backing the bus up, you know, 30 seconds into the pod. <laughs> so, uh, one week into the season, they've played once. Uh Jamal Murray had a highlight. I saw that highlight. That was lovely. First impressions from what you saw in San Diego and, and what you saw from that first game. You know, ever since we've been hearing from Malone and Calvin uh, to start the offseason, they were saying the expectations are that, that MPJ and Jamal would be right and, and wouldn't have any limitations. And, you know, talk is cheap, to, to you know, just to tie a bow on that. Um I really just wanted to see how they moved and I wanted to see whether there was any hesitation, whether they were aggressive, whether there were, you know, limitations that, that we didn't know about that, that people would not want to divulge, obviously. Um, when we saw the fourth quarter of one of the scrimmages in San Diego, um, Jamal looked awesome. Like, I mean, was that the one that the backups won? Uh, it, it was the one that the backups won. And, you know, I just remember there was this sequence where he had like a full head of steam coming. He threw the ball behind his back, kind of dribbled and knifed through the defense and, and finished this layup. And it was just like, okay, the hard cutting and the hard pivoting. And, and there was no hesitation. In basketball, you guys know this, a, a quarter of a second hesitation and you're cooked. There wasn't that from Jamal. Um, he seemed to trust his legs, uh, which I don't think he did at the end of last year when he was flirting with that comeback. Um, the other thing, you, you know, I'm paying close attention to is MPJ and, and does he have any lingering, um, I, I don't know what it is, a, a lingering hesitation as a result of that third back surgery, um, that took him out all last year. And I didn't see much, but the thing with Michael Porter Jr. That's going to be an ongoing conversation. And this is not limited to this week to preseason. This is, I'm talking when we get into the throes of the season in January and February, <coughs> how, how does he reintegrate with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic? Th those two, we don't need to discuss or debate their chemistry. Like that is that is riding a bike level chemistry between those two dudes. They know where each other's going to be. They know that dance. I think that they could operate that pick and roll <coughs> in their sleep. Um, but how do you integrate a third pillar and a guy who is such a devastating shooting weapon um, – but yet he, his his other skills don't necessarily mesh as well with Joker and Jamal. 
and you know, it's going both parties are going to have to acquiesce a little bit. Joker is going to have to accept that who Michael Porter Jr. is 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 kind of a catch and shoot guy that that doesn't necessarily process and work through the entire offense. And, you know, Michael Porter is going to have to accept that this is a pass-happy offense. I think they were third in the NBA last year in passes in an assist per game, and I think they led the NBA in passes per game at over 300. And, like, you know, there is both sides are going to have to kind of meet in the middle there. Um, I, I was paying close attention to kind of the body language and, you know, whatever chemistry we could deduce when we were inside the gym, and it's just – I, you know, to put it bluntly, I just think it's going to be a work in progress. I, I don't know, you know, maybe there's undue pressure that Michael Porter Jr. feels, uh, you know, having got his max contract, being in the first year of his of his new deal and wanting to prove to everybody that it was a, a good investment. Because uh, last year obviously didn't go his way, and he was obviously living upstairs, was in his head, and it's a difficult situation. Um, you know, so... I just think that both sides are going to have to mend and, and get to the middle and have an understanding of this is my strengths and, and Joker's going to have to accept this is his strength. And, you know, he is a guy who can catch and shoot and can just basically shoot over anybody. And if it falls, doesn't necessarily mean it's a good shot, still counts as uh, two or three points on the board. You said no limitations. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. seems to think no limitations scoffed at the idea that he might have a minutes restriction or maybe sit out a few games for rest to make sure he doesn't ache that back of his. Right. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And do you think that the Nuggets hear that and say, yeah, whatever, we're still going to make you sit games so that we can load manage to use the, uh, the term that let's get thrown around these days? Yeah, I mean, again, this is the first year of a five-year max deal. This is not last season when he was at the end of his rookie extent or his rookie contract. Uh, this is a giant investment, and they need to preserve Michael Porter Jr.'s health. So while that is encouraging and you know, I guess noteworthy that Michael Porter Jr. does not want to sit out on back-to-backs and wants to play when he's available, this is about April and May right now. And, and from a bigger picture, this is about year two, year three, year four of that contract and being available. Um, the, you know, the, the biggest thing with Michael Porter Jr. is availability. Um, so I don't, I, I don't, we can debate whether it's commendable or not that he wants to be available. Or he wants to play. Well, it's certainly commendable. It's, whether it's smart is, I think, the question. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, you know, People who have who can see big picture stuff and who know the the, the specifics of his injury are going to are, are going to step in and, and intervene and say, "Look, this is about preservation here. You you don't you have kind of a, a unsavory uh, track record with injuries. We are going to be careful." Uh, I think that and and Michael Malone has said this. Like Michael Malone has said, we're going to be careful with with uh, Porter. We're going to be careful and monitor Jamal and and that workload. And we're even going to monitor Nikola Jokic, who who you know was active this summer playing for for Team Serbia EuroBasket. Um, I just think that there is an understanding that Joker has less of a workload that he needs to carry in you know the dog days of the season. And this is about just get to the finish line healthy, the finish line being April 15th, and then see what kind of noise you can make in the postseason. You said uh, 
you know, figuring out how these three guys can play together and, and getting some sort of uh, chemistry, chemistry and flow and yeah. all that. Um, how long do you think that takes? Is that like a month or two? Is that uh, we're not going to see that until March? Like, what, what do you think it takes for them to click into place and everybody sort of get each other again? Look, I'm, I'm, I'm referencing the Oklahoma City game on Monday night. There were instances where it was extremely clunky where the spacing, it didn't seem like MPJ knew where to be in regards to um, playing off of, of Joker and Jamal. One thing that has been a consistent theme is everybody, and Malone, Joker, Porter have all said this, that they need to play their roles, but they need to play their roles with regard and respect to the other players' roles, whoever their starting unit is or whoever their teammates are out on the court. So, you know, you can't play your role in a vacuum. So that's what I'm saying when when both sides need to kind of meet in the middle there. Um, in terms of how long, like I said, there was, there was very clunky instances of spacing. There were instances where Porter just was on the baseline. He took a jumper that was super contested. He ended up making it. Doesn't Malone said yesterday, it doesn't mean it's a good shot it, just because you make it. Then there was another instance where Joker and Jamal did a little pick and roll. And then, uh, and then I think it was Jamal kicked it to Porter on the wing for a wide open three pointer. And it was just like, that was it at its, at its peak. Like defenses command, put so much attention on their pick and roll and then you have to address a knockdown six foot ten sniper. When it works like that, it is unguardable. That doesn't happen all the time because you know Mike said the other night he was like, "Look, my rookie year, they used to get so mad at me for some of the shots I would take." But he goes, "You know, they've learned that that's my game and that's what I'm good at. And you know, when I'm when I'm feeling it, when I'm rolling, like I may take a shot just because I'm in rhythm and." I'm not necessarily sure that everyone agrees with that 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 line of thinking. <laughs> you, I think you mentioned uh, last last podcast that we talked together that uh, you thought maybe we we're going to see more creation from Michael Porter Jr. Have you seen anything to reinforce that idea in camp, or do you now think nah, we're probably going to see more of him just sort of on the wing, back cutting, doing things off the ball to get shots from passes off of the creation that Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic produce? I, I, I think, I, first of all, to your question, I have not seen evidence of that, A. But B, I think that's the balance of what is going to happen with Mike as he gets more and more comfortable and more and more reintegrated. I don't think he views himself in a vacuum. I don't think he views himself as a guy who who is strictly a catch-and-shoot guy. You don't dribble. You don't pass. You don't create. Actually, I take that back. You know what? I did see evidence of an unselfish Michael Porter Jr. Remember um, Aaron Gordon, like freakish dunk, like a few minutes into the first quarter. That was off a Michael Porter pass in transition. I think KCP or Ish Smith had stolen the ball, passed it to MPJ. MPJ threw a bounce pass to AG who just soared. And it was like, I mean, it was a, it was like one of those dunk contest dunks from, from AG. And that was Michael Porter. And he was, he like screamed and was like, you know, you know, shoving out his chest and was like thrilled for AG because of that. And it's like not that often that you see MPJ make plays for somebody else, but he does have that capability. Um, I think that he wants to show that more. And there's just a question, does Malone, does the offense, does Joker want him to flex that muscle? And and do we want to build throughout the season in kind of refining those other tools outside of the shot? Because the shot looks pretty damn good. 
Uh, you know, right. maybe he doesn't need that. So, what much is the more. answer to that? Do, do, I mean, do they? Do you, do you think that, that that's something that Nikola Jokic wants out of Michael Porter Jr.? I mean, I think so. I, I think, you know, the more versatile a player is, the more options you have on offense. Joker's maybe one of the most versatile players in the league. And so, you put different weapons and different tools because, look, I think Michael Porter has been has been kind of pigeonholed as this one-dimensional guy and you know whether he becomes more than that is is yet to be determined but with Jamal think of all the things that he does well I mean he's a good passer he's a really good screener he's obviously a knockdown shooter he can penetrate and get his one-on-one like there's all these different variables that you can include with Jamal and that's one of the reasons why I think Joker works so well with him with Mike they're still figuring out what are all the boxes that he can check um, specifically now that he's healthy. So uh, it is a, it is a work in progress. And I think that there can't, there needs to be a way where it's not okay. Our turn. Now your turn, our turn. Like that's, that's unhealthy and kind of breeds. You want it to come in the flow of the offense. And not only that, but it kind of breeds like a, a divide in, in, I'm not saying there's a divide, but like that style where you're catering to, to, one pairing and then another pairing is just it, it's easier to defend a it's not as random um but it's also like all right whose turn is it now and like that shouldn't be the case when you're playing when you're playing like joker style you don't care where it comes from yeah, you, no, you, you it should the, be organic you make the best read who has the mismatch and expose it and <clears throat> and i really i mean yes jamal murray has a scoring itch and has an ego and has a lot that he wants to prove that he's back but like at the end of the day i think jamal it I think Jamal leans more of the Joker ethos where he doesn't really care where it comes from because they just want to win. I think that that's the case. Granted, we've only talked to Jamal a handful of times. He he has a lot to prove. Hasn't been back in 18 months. Um, But there's definitely just different philosophies you know, guiding the, the, the mindsets of these players, of these core players. Um, And like it or not, it's going to emanate from Joker. There is, there is going to be an unselfish nature to this team, um, which you know bleeds into a point I made yesterday on on Twitter. I, I don't think Joker cares in the least about trying to win a third MVP. I don't think he's going to win it. Um, I think he's going to be in the conversation, but I think that there is a huge barrier to entry for winning the third a third MVP in a row. Um, and frankly, I just think Joker would be so much happier to not win it because. You know, he'd be out of the limelight. He wouldn't have to answer individual questions. He he wouldn't have to detract from the team. Um, all these things that he hates doing, he wouldn't have to indulge if he didn't win it again. So if it was up to Joker, take him out of the race right now. All right. So a lot of new guys. You got your first look at these new guys. You got KCP. You got DeAndre, Bruce Brown, the rookies. Which one of those guys jumped out to you as, wow, he really looks comfortable or he's showing me something here that's going to be valuable for this team? Um, I'm going to go with two guys, the two the two biggest acquisitions this summer. Um, I think KCP is going to murder in his role. I think he's going to be so good. He, you know, unlike Will Barton, he didn't he doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective, to be successful. He had so many wide-open shots in the preseason game. I, I Again, I could not care less that he missed them. Those are going to fall. Those shots are just too wide open for a player with his track record. And Joker's just going to, man, just imagine being a knockdown shooter. I, I mean, is he the fifth option in the in the offense, KCP? Like, 
And he's a and he's he's probably the best catch and shoot shooter. And well, eh, Michael Porter Michael, Jr. Michael, Michael, yeah. MPJ is, but he was but KCP was brought to Denver to stretch the floor, and he's the fifth offensive option. He is going to eat. I I I cannot reinforce that enough. The other dude I think is going to eat is AG because he is back in his optimal position playing power forward. I did a story on it this past Sunday. He he's calling himself the garbage man. Because he's close to the rim, he's getting all the rebounds, he's mucking everything up, he is overwhelming people with his strength, um, crashing the glass, getting second chance points. I think AG is going to have a huge year um, as their fourth option. It just it was almost an unfair ask. Malone told me that they asked too much of him last year. Uh, you know, be the number two, quasi number three option. Also, you know, be our lead defender on numerous positions, guard one through four. That's a lot to ask of a dude. And AG was not equipped to do that last year. So is he hanging out in the dunker spot? Is he? It, it's not not in the corner three area. He's going to be down there where yes. he can do damage around yes. the rim. Yes, and, and just be the garbage man, clean up around the rim. I just think, you know, maybe maybe just kill on on second chance opportunities, even if the shot primarily doesn't come from him. Well, and back cuts, right? All of it. And I, I mean, he said that he studied. Um, his game, he audited his game, and a lot of it is going to be in that floater, not necessarily mid-range, but like the little jump hook area. That's what he told me he was honing in on, um, was that region. So just that, you know, it's a, it's kind of a touch shot. Right. Um, Something Bruce Brown's good at, by the way. Man, that's the other dude I was going to. Bruce Brown, the other big acquisition, they signed him in free agency, I think like 48 hours into free agency. I think a lot of people were surprised that he was still available. This guy is going to be so good at all the weird stuff. He has a a tenacious motor uh, on defense. I mean, you you saw it last year. It's what he, his brand is. Um, he's like 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 busting around screens and blowing up screens and taking like smart angles on um, on his guys. And is just like he he's kind of the garbage man on defense. Honestly, he's just mucking up everything that offenses are trying to deploy on him. Um, I just think that he is really going to be a very weird, and I say that in the best way possible, a weird, unique player that is going to just fill in all these gaps um, on both sides of the ball. He has the capability of ball handling and being a, you know, kind of a, a, a secondary ball handler next to Bones if Bones is getting too loose with his handle. Um, Bruce Brown can handle, can initiate. He's a 40% three point shooter as he made very clear at media day. Um, and you know, if bones can get him some open shots or if he plays alongside Joker, I just think Bruce Brown is going to be such a, a good fit because of his, his defensive approach, his selfless approach, the things that he does well. I think that Joker tends to, uh, amplify those, those skills and, I mean, I just I think fans are going to love him once they recognize the effort that he's putting in consistently on defense, and then he's just filling in gaps, doing whatever, and doesn't care what it looks like on offense. Um, I mean, he's 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 already going to be an all Malone, all team Malone, first team Malone type player. All right, so one player. Just let's go with one player who has sort of jumped off the court for you as uh, somebody who looks like they've gone up a notch, looks like they're going to make an impact this year. Yeah. I mean, relative to expectations, I think Zeke Naji was the training camp MVP. 
Um, I, I realize that's a lot for a guy who didn't play a lot in the second half of the year last year. No, is he durable? Is was he, hurt too? Was hurt. That's that's the reason why he didn't play. I should have said that. But is he reliable? Is he? Uh, can we trust you? So I think that a lot of his offseason work um, in in putting on ten or eleven pounds was in making himself more durable. So uh, you know, Nuggets strength coach Felipe Eichenberger put a picture of Zeke before and put an uh, put a before and after picture up of him in the weight room and he just looks like he got big like his nba 2k strength he's up there (laughs) and uh you know i think that a that was in 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 the idea of keeping him healthy but also the idea that maybe he can be a a, you know your backup five i think that there's a real battle going on. does he want to be a backup five zeke yes you have not i'm this is me talking to you zeke you have not gotten consistent minutes in the NBA yet, and this is about to be your third season in the NBA, I don't really care whether you, quote, want to be one or not. You have an avenue and an opportunity to right. be one. Take it or leave it, pal. But but to address my question, if, if I'm giving him the truth serum, what – he what called is he him, gonna say? He, he called himself, I see myself more as a four. Right. Malone says, I see him as an NBA big. Like, this is semantics. Zeke – don't put your foot in your mouth. You have an opportunity to really establish yourself in the rotation. I think you you have a lot of positive momentum. He stayed in Denver all summer um, and, and worked his butt off, to his credit. And I, I even asked him. I saw him warming up uh, before Monday, and his shot looked – I mean, his shot looked good before. I think he had – like, I don't know, 44 45% from three last year. At one point, he was leading the NBA in three-point shooting percentage. Um, he refined his shot mechanics. He has put more arc on the ball. He has worked out a little bit of a hitch. Um, and I don't, I think he's, he, it's, his shot is more centered, um, when he releases it, it's a slight tweak, but it, it has, I noticed it and I thought it made a pretty big difference. And I asked him and he said a hundred percent, he was like happy to talk about it. Um, so I think that he is a guy who can, I mean, look, I'm just going off of Monday's game. He didn't play in he didn't play with the second unit. He ended up playing with the third unit. But in the third and fourth quarters, I think he ended up with a team high 15 points. He knocked down a three. He was a menace on the glass. Like you can just see him moving bodies that he wasn't moving last year because he's so much stronger. Um so I think that he can make hay on the glass, second chance opportunities. And then defensively, everybody raves about his ability to to to, you know, defend out on the perimeter um defend threes and fours and maybe you can hold your own as a five and when the option is him versus deandre jordan zeke Najee might be making it a moot point like they're all the criticism of of signing deandre jordan this year and why where did he come from why did they get him might not matter zeke Najee might say uh i appreciate you vet but it's my time now even if i don't love playing the five <laughs> <laughs> so all right he 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 plays the five. That means DeAndre probably what five to ten minutes a game, if that. Um, and if he's doing that, um, does that mean it's like basically a five out offense that they're running on their on their second unit? Because he's not really a post up player. Jeff Green isn't really a post up player. Um, I guess you have Bruce Brown can sort of be that guy that wanders around the paint. He did it's that with point. the Nets. It's a great point. They don't have a traditional. Um a traditional big down there. 
Jeff Green is defying father time. Dude does not look like he's 36. He can still jump with the best of them. He can hit threes. Right, and he's like a four, right? 100%. He's he's your power forward. Uh, Zeke, you know, kind of cannibalizes him a little bit, but I just think that he has more skills that can translate to a five. Um, more, I don't know if he's more athletic than Jeff, and I'm telling you, the dude is a freak. But I just think that they they, they do like the idea of pairing those two guys with, with interchangeable skills, kind of like they did last year with Jeff Green and Jermichael Green. Um, I think I like him better than Jermichael Green at this point. I think so, too. Uh, just based off upside, I mean, Zeke has a lot. He has a lot of momentum, and he has a lot going for him. Um, you know, DeAndre Jordan it has already made a, pr- a pretty big imprint on the locker room. People really like him. He, he's, he's Jeff Green's best friend. Um, he's, he's boys with Bruce Brown. Um, there is a distinct veteran voice or veteran vibe to this team because of those guys. Joker, Joker rocks with DeAndre. So there's a lot. There, there's going to be there's going to be some difficult dynamics that both um, Zeke and DeAndre are going to have to navigate. And I do anticipate Michael Malone deferring to the veteran first. I think he's going to give DeAndre all the opportunity in the world to win the job. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. That that's that's Malone's tendency. Uh, we may end up seeing that at the backup three as well with Davon Reed and Christian Brown. Uh, Davon Reed, we know what he brings to the table, hard-nosed, versatile defender, uh, another all-Malone first-teamer, uh, is probably going to get the nod initially over Christian Brown. And who knows if Christian cracks the rotation at any time this year. Um, but we know Malone's tendencies. That, that And just because he defers to the vets does not mean that these young dudes, specifically Zeke, aren't coming. Um, there is... I mean, there's palpable, palpable buzz. Where's that buzz come from? I can't tell you, but there's palpable, <laughs> tangible buzz about Zeke Naji. All right. With that note, we're going to take a quick break and come back with a couple more topics. The Nuggets Inc. podcast is presented by Avaca TV, a proud sponsor of the Denver Nuggets and Colorado Avalanche and the most affordable option in Colorado to watch regional sports. For just $25 a month, subscribers can access abs, Nuggets, Rapids, and yes, even Rockies games anywhere via their phones, tablets, or laptops. Vaca also offers dedicated channels for college athletics in Colorado, including CSU, DU, Northern Colorado, and Metro State. As one Twitter user aptly said, it's like the Netflix of Colorado sports. There are no contracts and subscribers can pause or cancel at any time. Sign up at avaca.tv. And we're back. Host Matt Schubert with Mike Singer, Nuggets Street reporter, all-around good guy. And in his new home, I should say, in Englewood, which is a beautiful, beautiful estate. We didn't get a Casa de Singer, so I guess I have to plug Casa de Singer. It, it, it's lovely, lovely. Uh, it's uh, right now in the living room. Is it, what do you call this, dining room? I don't know what you call this we room. Haven't, really. We haven't determined it yet. Unnamed room. We're in unnamed room at Casa de Singer. So... And there's not shoes every. Actually, no. I take that back. There are still shoes all over the place. Uh, so the uh, the the Nuggets GM Calvin Booth, uh, word gets out he has signed an ex- extension. So has I believe a large majority of the rest of the front office with the Nuggets. Um, uh, apparently, this is something that happened in the past. This this had been the case for a while. 
Um, but the news just got out, and the Nuggets just announced it, uh, I believe, on, what was it, Sunday? It was on Sunday, right? It was right? Sunday. The news right, Carl Darrell got out. fired, and then... Uh, Javante Williams tore his, uh, tore his ACL. Carl yes. Darrell got fired, and I broke this news. The news did not just get out. This was Calvin got an extension uh, through 2024-2025, Right. Uh, it well, had, it, it, nobody reported it though until this Sunday, but it it had been the deal had been done apparently months before. I, I don't know about months, but the deal had been done for a while. That's what I was told. Do you know what a while is? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, nebulous. We we we, we undefined. Live in, we live in gray areas here. Uh, it had been done for a while. It was not didn't get done Saturday, and then I reported it Sunday. That was not the case. Um, so Cal gets his extension. Uh, and, and look, Michael Malone even said that it had been in the works for a while. Josh Kroenke even said it had been in the works for a while when we talked to him uh, in the wake of Tim Connolly's departure. And I asked him, I said... Right, and I believe he said that something was going to come soon. Yeah, so whatever soon means. Regardless, Apparently three months. Regardless, Cal gets his extension. He gets the security. My understanding is he only had one year. This would have been his last year on his deal. So he now has security. And what does security get you? It gives you the ability to operate with three years down the line and not just, you know, nine months left on your contract. It gives you the ability to try things, to fail to fail and maybe rework things. It, it gives you just runway. And it also gives you confidence that these people who have promoted you, well, I guess he hasn't actually had a promotion uh, because he's still the GM and not the president of basketball operations. Um, but it still gives you confidence that they have confidence in you and, and trust that you can do the job. So was um, it the DJ deal that gave them the confidence? We're going to ignore that. Um, and uh, outside of of Cal getting his extension, I reported that the majority of the staff got extensions as well. Um, and, and I and that means front office, and I believe that means a, a good portion of the coaching staff as well. So. What what does that mean? It means that there's a lot. Did of we say the term by the way? Two thousand twenty four to twenty five. I did. Right? I did say that. So, you know, what does this mean? It means that there's stability. It means that this is the window. I've been saying this for the past year plus. This year and next year are their their best chances to win. And now you have the same voices, the same ideas, the same level of trust or, or, or relationships that you can keep like leaning on this trust when it comes to tough decisions. You have the same voices in the room. Um, so. You know, all in all, I think that you know people definitely wanted to hammer Josh for for letting Tim walk. Um, Calvin Booth's done a really good job, in my opinion. He upgraded the defense. He he got rid of uh, Will Barton, who you know everybody's favorite punching bag. You know, Will had his his pros, um, and Will had his advocates. Uh, does does him swapping spots with KCP improve the defense? Ultimately, of course it does. Um, was Monte the the price of that? Yes, he was. And so, what happens now that Monte is in Washington? You've entrusted Bones Highland. <laughs> You've entrusted Bones Highland to lead the second unit, and that is going to be like we just talked about with with MPJ and Joker and and Jamal and that integration and that balance. There is going to be a real balance with Bones Highland running the second unit, and and playmaking and creating for those guys as opposed to him going one-on-one and taking five guys off the dribble uh there will be times where he drives michael malone crazy i i like guarantee it 
that that is I, I foresee it in the future. Uh, just Bones kind of doing Bones things where you know we know what he's special at, we know what he's good at, but can you do it within a team concept? That is going to be the key for Bones as he matures into this second year. You know, Michael Malone's an old school coach. He does not like handing things, quote unquote, handing things to players. Um, to some degree, Bones fell into this sixth man spot. Not that he doesn't deserve it, but by the nature of that trade, it is his to, to occupy and to grow into. So I think that there is going to be a constant push-pull with Bones as he learns to not only create and, and, and set his guys up, but the, the, number one, the number one priority for Bones of this preseason, of the first few months of the season, is going to be learning to stay in front of his guy. If he can stay in front of his guy, he is going to earn so much trust from Michael Malone so much quicker than if he were just, if it was a slow build and he was, you know, doing his thing on offense and, and then having an inconsistent defensive performance. And look, Bones knows it, man. He says, um, you know, the way I played on Monday night was unacceptable. I need to guard people. Uh, I can't have Hubies. I, we wrote about Hubies today in the Denver Post. Hubies are when you when you shoot a shot and you don't crash the glass and you don't get back on defense. Where the f are you? To quote uh, Michael Malone, uh, in homage to the great Hubie Brown. Um, you know, you don't want to have a lot of Hubies. And uh, Bones Highland, Bones Highland logged a lot of Hubies on like, Monday night. Back to Calvin Booth here, the the original part of this. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, discussion. I went, I went, I went wild. <laughs> we turned into a Bones discussion, but we're talking Cal. Um, so we we don't know how much he's getting paid, right? We have no idea what that is. No, we don't know what that number is. However, uh, look, he had, like I said, his the deal was expected to be done uh, after this season. You can trust that he got a, a a healthy number, and I don't. I what is healthy? Live in gray areas. I can't. I don't know what healthy is, but you can trust that Would he. Tim Connolly think that I, it's a healthier. Number? I can't. I can't answer that either. But my point is that you can trust that he felt good enough about the situation, and I don't think he felt great. I don't think it was like a, you know, there's not a lot of confidence. There's not a lot of security here when he kind of. You know, when you got nine months left grew, on your contract, when you grew into a lame duck situation, that's tough. Right now, and they has, didn't change his title; it's the same title. And maybe that changes in the future. I don't know, um, but he's still the general manager for now. Uh, we don't know the number, but Cal's going to have a chance to prove himself. It's not often that GMs inherit championship caliber teams, and first time GMs, first time GMs do it. And Cal's getting the chance, man. He already improved the defense. Uh, we'll see what kind of players Christian Brown and Peyton Watson, his two draft picks, end up becoming. Um, you can, you know, chalk up DeAndre Jordan, and we can, uh, you know, we can poke holes in that signing all we want at the end of the season. If Zeke Naji ascends, as we just talked about, that's going to be a moot point. So um, we can, you know, we can debate the signings. We can debate debate whether KCP thrives. Um, but he's he's been aggressive, which is what his stated goal was, and 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 I think, at, you know, was the status quo going to be enough? Calvin Booth didn't think so, and there's an interesting question: Did would Tim Connolly have thought that the status quo was okay, um, given that we, what we know about Tim, how loyal he is to his guys? Would the status quo have been enough? Uh, now that Calvin's in charge, he said, "Hell no." All right, we got five burning questions. Oh boy. 
I'm going to rattle these guys off. You're going to give me an answer for every one of these. First uh, off, uh, we just talked about uh, the status quo, not going with the status quo. One of the worries that I would have uh, about not going with the status quo is that they traded away Monte Morris, and Monte Morris was a very good backup point guard. And now you're trusting Bones Highland to be your backup point guard, or maybe Ish Smith, Journeyman Ish Smith, on the Nuggets Inc. podcast last week. It was great. What a great listen. If you didn't listen to it, give it a listen. All right, back to what we're talking about, Nuggets point My guards. just turned into an auctioneer. <laughs> um, how worried should I be about that that situation, the, the, the backup point guard situation? Because, listen, to, to play at the level that Monty Morris played at, uh, is not an easy ask. He was a very good backup point guard. Two jalapenos of concern. Out of what? That's for you to decide. I'm saying Lo- five? Is that out of five? Loyal listeners, that's for you to decide. <laughs> sure, we can go with five. Two uh, jalapeno concerns. Uh, I just think, th- I th- I think that Bones is going to grow into this role, um, and I think that Malone's going to give him a runway to do so. That being said, if Bones is turning the ball over, if he's just putting his head down and dribbling into traffic, if he's not if he's not taking smart shots, I, I cannot tell you how much of a luxury it is for Malone to have Ish Smith, who's played point guard uh, for 12 NBA franchises, and when he suits up uh, for the Nuggets on, on uh, October 19th, if he plays then, that will be an NBA record 13 franchises. I cannot tell you how much sage wisdom and how much confidence there is in Bone or in Ish Smith to settle everybody down if if that second unit gets hairy. Um, I've seen Ish Smith pull aside Jamal Murray and get in his ear as the two were sitting on the bench and just he was kind of talking him through his comeback and working him. Um, I've seen Ish Smith pull Michael Porter Jr. aside and give him whatever sage advice he he can pass along. Ish Smith is a very very good vet and. He wants Bones to succeed so badly, almost at his expense, uh, probably at his expense. Because if Bones is thriving, Ish isn't going to play a lot. And Ish knows it's his job to help mentor him. And I think that Ish is so selfless that I don't think he cares that much. I really don't. So let me me give you my concern here about Bones Highland as a backup point guard. Okay. I I think he's great. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great player. Um, The thing about Monte is you know... He's going to get you in your sets. He's going to get things going. They're going to be organized. Is that going to happen with Bones? And will that be a problem? And if it is, I guess you have to go to Ish, don't you? Like, that's the thing about Ish that you know. He will get you in your sets. He will run what you want to run. He will be organized. Things will not be sort of, uh, you know, to use a terrible term, playground style. Um, well, I just think that uh, I just think that Bones's ceiling and offensive ceiling is obviously so much higher than right. what Ish is. And so, if that second unit gets bogged down, who are you going to get buckets from? Are you going to get is Bruce Brown? Someone needs to pass Bruce Brown the ball in the corner before he hits his three pointers. Maybe could that's Bruce it. Brown be like a point guard too? Could be. He could be, and that could be a, another. You know, I, I mentioned that earlier, a secondary ball handler who could kind of ease the pressure on Bones, um, but. That you know, I don't trust Davon Reed on the ball. I don't trust Davon Reed to create. I don't trust. That's not Jeff Green's role. That's not Zeke Naji's role. So there's just not a lot of playmakers on that second unit. So right, and they're going to have to stagger minutes, right? Maybe. I mean, I don't know how that's going to work. I do think they have talked about putting um, 
Jamal and Bones in the backcourt together. So, and that hasn't happened yet, but they have talked about playing those two dudes together. Um, you know, get Jamal off the ball like he was at Kentucky when Tyler Eulis was the point guard. Uh, in that instance, Bones better give up the ball because he's got a lot of, you know, he's got a lot of playmakers alongside him in that, in that scenario. But I think that Bones' best argument is that he's a scorer. He's, he's, you know, microwave scorer, a, a guy who can get you points in a hurry when the second unit bogs down. So it's a push pull. It's going to, it's going to be an ongoing thing. Can he find the balance of distributing and getting his while also defending? If 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 the baseline's defending, then Malone's going to be able to live with whatever happens on the offensive end. But give me the defense first, and then it's going to be a lot more palatable um, to one Michael Malone. Next question: Got two rookies, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson. Which one of these guys plays, or do none of them play? Peyton Watson's going to play in Grand Rapids, <laughs> and. Um, Christian Brown has a chance to play up here. Uh, and I think that the one thing that I love about Christian Brown is that I love that the effort is non-negotiable. He is he goes 150 miles an hour and like plays his butt off. He's competitive. Like I just love his attitude. He's fearless. In the scrimmage uh, in San Diego, we saw him go right at Michael Porter Jr., we said he he said I'm not scared of your six foot ten wingspan. I'm not scared of your height. Uh, or, you know, not wingspan. You guys, you, you're smarter than me. You followed. Um, he he just plays with this fearless attitude, and I know that he missed all of his shots against Oklahoma City. I that's not going to happen. Like I think that he's going to get his and kind of get his legs under him as a rookie. Maybe he gets in for Davon Reed. He's I I don't know that he's more of a reliable offensive player than Davon Reed is, but. He has a higher upside than Davon Reed does. So while they're trying to develop and figure out what they have in him, I could see him slotting in a little bit at that backup three. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I think that's going to be Davon Reed's spot to lose. Um, Do you think that they consider sending him to the G League and just getting him minutes? They might. I, I don't know that, and that'll be. I can definitely ask Christian that. They might ask him that. Ask him to do that in the um, in the future. But I just think that. Uh, I, I just think that. Right now, Christian's a little bit more of a finished product um, than Peyton Watson is, but everybody's high on Peyton too, man. Plays really hard, is kind of a playmaker, kind of that you know six seven, six eight tweener, tweener defender can you know can can move around various positions and and what can he give you on the offensive end? That's kind of the big question. But Calvin Booth's vision is that players and players that do the kind of things that Peyton Watson does, they they generally don't become available. Um, and that's why they drafted him. And, and, you know, you can debate whether that was made sense or not, but um, it was the 30th pick in the draft. Like, it's, it, you know, it wasn't the highest swing in the world. No, although they could have traded it back and probably got him in the second round. I guess so. Uh, I, I, I actually don't think that that's the case. Really? You think he'd have gone? I think that teams wanted Peyton Watson. Um, and, in fact, in the NBA's um, GM survey – they did the biggest steals from the draft, and I don't know who voted for them, but Christian Brown and Peyton Watson were both both got some amount of vote. They weren't in like the top four steals, but they got some amount of vote. That wasn't the Nuggets voting in that, was it? I don't. I hope that their GMs are not allowed to vote for their players. That would be bogus. Maybe it was <laughs> Tim Connolly doing 
Uh, Calvin Booth is solid. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a group text between Callen and Tim and AK. Hey, you vote for my guys. I'll vote for you guys. All right. So the the Nuggets have had uh, an award winner the last two seasons. The MVP Nikola Jokic. You might have heard of him. So this year, we, we probably Nikola Jokic probably isn't winning a third. I, I think we're pretty safe in saying that. So if I'm putting it to you. What nugget is going to win an award, and what award is that going to be? What's the most likely answer to that question? Um. Well, I don't. I don't even know that this is like. I don't think that this person's going to win it. But I think that their best option may be Bones at six man. Not Jamal Murray, comeback player of the year. Uh is there? I, I I don't even remember. Is there a comeback player? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. Or most improved. I'm sorry. It's, it, it's kind of like the same thing. It's they. It gets right. treated that way. Right. I don't think that that's. No, I don't really think Jamal is going to be. You know, most improved. I would almost say that that would be the leap would come next year. I just think he's a notoriously slow starter. He hasn't played in 18 months. It is a little far fetched to expect him to just come out here and you know and kill from the jump. I mean, Michael Porter might have a better argument just because of what he, what he, what he does well, doesn't really have a learning curve. Like he can jump back into that uh, yesterday. So I think that there's a better chance that Michael Porter Jr. wins um, most improved, given where he was last year. But um, maybe Bones at sixth man. I, I mean, I know that it was floated online today, Zeke Naji for for most improved player, and I just, I mean. That's with the assumption that he's going to play a lot. And I don't know that – have you noticed a track record? The backup fives on the Denver Nuggets generally don't get to play a lot because of the two-time MVP. Right, although he could slot in at a four sometimes too, right? He could do both. He's interchangeable that way. He could. He could He could play a lot. Man, that'd be a big lineup with Zeke at the four, AG at the three. Uh, what about Bruce Brown at the two? Ooh, that, yeah. That Long team, arms. That team can defend. Um Michael Malone has said he hopes that they're a top five defense. Uh, that might I don't know if it's far fetched or not, but that's that seems <laughs> they were average last year. They were yes. they were they were fifteenth overall. They were not good at paint defense. They were not good in transition defense. Right. They, and Michael Porter Jr. is getting added to the lineup. You know, it's funny because so many people think that Jamal Murray is a like I think that Jamal has the capability of being an above-average defender. And people swear, people within the Nuggets organization swear that he's already there. I, I don't know. I just I guess I haven't seen it enough, and I wasn't paying close enough attention to his defense 18 months ago. I mean, I think he has the capability because he's big and strong and he's competitive, um, and I think he cares to not be a mark on defense. So I think he can get there, but... People swear that Jamal can be an above-average defender. It's I, like, okay. I don't think he's their defensive liability. It's MPJ. That's the one that gets targeted. That's the one that's probably still going to be. You just said Christian Braun didn't, wasn't afraid of MPJ uh, in their scrimmage. I, I think sure there's did. a lot of guys that aren't afraid of MPJ when they go up against him. I sure did. And and that is, that's going to be that's going to be the biggest question with Mike. Can you know? Can you can you impede? guys who are who are coming at you I mean when you're an opposing player and you look at do I want to go against Aaron Gordon who's you know big and strong do I want to go against Bruce Brown or KCP or do I want to go up against Mike the, the choice is there like he unfortunately people are going to come for him 
until he proves them otherwise. So the onus is on him to change that narrative. Um, and you know, to his credit, he knows he does. He, he he's talked about his defense. Um, can it become more reliable and, and trustworthy? Because I think you know Michael Malone has said he might pull the rug out from under him if the defense is not trustworthy. And can I trust you to close games? If you can play defense, you'll be on the court. Um, it's a slight little nuance thing. Malone, you know, I I generally believe that Malone will play his 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 five best guys that can play two ways. Um, I asked Michael Porter what uh, was the criteria to be on the court in in the end of games and clutch games in fourth quarter, and he said the five biggest difference makers. And that was a little bit of nuance. And I don't know, is there a different? I, I want definitions of difference makers and two way players. Um, I'll leave that up to smarter people than me, but I just, I noticed that phrasing and I was, I just, I just, I just put it in my back pocket. I said, okay, noted Mike. Thank you for that. MPJ, Jamal Murray, how many games for each? I want you to give me a, a total game for MPJ and then a total game number for Jamal Murray. I think, I think 65 65 to 67 for both of them is a really good target. Oh, you think they'll actually play around the same? You don't think MPJ, maybe they pull back a little bit more with him? I mean, look, I'm not going to predict how they how their bodies hold up throughout this season. I don't know. Uh, I do think that if anyone were to play more games, I think it would be Jamal. Uh, right. I just think that there's a little bit more. Um, you can accept that, that there's a track record of, of ACL recoveries. And, you know, if he feels good, they're not going to hold you back. Right. Mike, there's a difference between ACLs and recurring back injuries. For sure. So, like we talked about earlier, there's there might need to be some kind of intervention, especially if Mike's um, attitude is that he can go, you know, all 82, which, you know, I think that at some point you at some point maybe he recognizes, man, I haven't been able to stay healthy. Maybe it would be prudent to sit. Maybe he gets there. I don't know. If not, I don't think the decision is going to be his to make. Okay. I want to seed in the Western Conference playoffs for the Denver Nuggets. Under the parameters that they're healthy, Michael Porter Jr. plays that 65-70. to 70. Jamal Murray plays that 65-70. to 70. Where is it going to be? I think they're going to be the three seed. The three? I think they're going to be the three seed. They're going to have home court advantage. Uh, Golden State is is a problem capital p uh los angeles clippers are going to be really really good um you also have memphis to deal with and i'm not really buying phoenix right now just lost to a team from australia they're gonna have to get their stuff right man the 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 game seven to dallas you lose to a team from australia jay crowder wants out you got the sarver stuff hanging over it you got um deandre ayton and whatever his relationship is with monty williams there's just too much smoke right now for me to believe that they get their stuff in order you you don't think that sarver selling the team is is doesn't actually sort of expel that server dark cloud i mean i how long does that happen it's it's a huge purchase i don't know when that happens and um i think that probably they'll get tired of talking about those topics and 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 answering questions about what their relationship is with robert sarver um cp can handle a brunt of that i just don't trust i just don't trust where the suns are uh at, at this juncture but um yeah, man, I, I think that uh, I think Golden State and Memphis will be in the conversation. 
But I, I, I think the Nuggets, when they kind of get it all together, I think they're going to be a top four seed. And if you ask me to pick, I'm going to pick three. I believe I saw that the Nuggets over under win total was 49 and a half. I would be hitting that over personally. What do you think? I think so too. Um, I think so too. I think last year they, I think they won 48 and I believe that it was their over under was 47 and a half. Um, and they surpassed that. So I just think, you know, you get two studs back. One, one game is not a lot to make up. No, no. They're arguably more talent on this team than last year's team. Uh, and on top of that, their division probably isn't as deep as it was. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota, uh, I don't know. Now, I don't know who. I, 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 I just I think that the Nuggets, when they gel, I think that they're going to be, I, I mean, they're going to be in the conversation. And then you can talk about, um, and then you can talk about, get into MVP stuff, which I've already dispelled. I just think that as a team, they have just such a higher ceiling. And the West is wide open. Golden State is, is really, really good. Uh, uh, I think a lot of people in the Nuggets organization wanted to see what a healthy Nuggets team did against Golden State last year. Uh, maybe they get that opportunity again. Okay. I think we've uh, touched on just about every one of the topics that we want to touch on. Uh, we've got uh, another preseason game coming up here, I believe, in Chicago. In Chicago, Friday. I'll be there. Uh, flying out tomorrow. Uh, we didn't say the day. Today is Wednesday. Correct. Uh, headed to Nuggets practice shortly. Um, headed to Chicago tomorrow to take on uh, old friend Arturis Kar- Karnasovas. I got a weird tidbit to tell you, Matt. I don't, know that you were, I don't know that you were aware of this. Did you know that NBA teams make their own preseason schedule? No, Mike, I was not aware of that. Well, let me tell you. They have, they have contracts with these teams that they end up playing. Look at their last year's preseason. They played Oklahoma City, they played Golden State, and they played the Clippers. Who is on the docket this year? Oklahoma, uh, Golden State, and the Los Angeles Clippers. Like, they get to dictate who they want to play. And maybe it's for, um, you know, travel reasons. Maybe it's for competitive reasons. Maybe it's because their owners are nice and cozy. I don't really know what the reason is, but they're, they, teams make up their own preseason schedule, which was a totally foreign concept to me until I found this out recently. So is the Bulls connection just kind of uh, I It could be. Because uh, I don't think they played them last year um, in the preseason. So maybe they said, hey, you know, why don't we come to Chicago, hang out, um, and, uh, you know, and, and grab a dinner, uh, you know, Calvin Booth and uh, Arturis Karnasovas. Uh, maybe I'll see them out on dinner uh, Thursday night. I, listeners wouldn't be able to see this, but Mike was moving his shoulders back and forth in a very fun way when he yeah. was talking you about know, that. In a, uh, in a uh, stroke of luck. Maybe they invite uh, Mr. Singer out uh, for di- for dinner Thursday night. We'll see. I'll shoot them a, a group chat, and we'll, we'll see if they're interested. Great food city, Chicago. One one of the all-timers for food. And you thought I went on a tangent when I started talking about Bones Highland to your Calvin Booth question? My dude brings up food in Chicago. It's cool. You used to live there. You know. It's Irrelevant. Fantastic <laughs> yeah, food city. Great. Fantastic food city. All right, before we go, we're going to do Mike's favorite uh favorite uh, segment here on the Nuggets Inc. podcast. It's read reader comments oh boy. on the iTunes reviews. Uh, these were not too kind to yours, Julie. <laughs> okay. So let's start off with the first. Do you know how, is, hey, Matt, do you know how many accounts I, uh, 
I made on <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> we won't we won't get into that. My All burners. Right. Very first one, five stars. This is from Nick Name Already Taken X ten thousand. Okay. Needs a new co-host is the title. Oh boy. Love singer, but Matt interrupting every single sentence makes it borderline unlistenable. Couldn't even finish the last episode. So this would have been, obviously, prior to Ish Smith and... Prior to my Bones pod. And Bones. It was the Bones hype pod. Yes. Okay. Um, thoughts? <laughs> uh, your check's in the mail, Nick. <laughs> Uh, Nick, I, Nick, and, no name times 1,000. Yeah, Nick, and let me just say, Nick did it all right here. He gave us five stars, he rated us, and then he left a comment and was honest. We like that, That's honesty. what we want. And rip us to shreds if you want to. Well, Matt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike, if you feel like it, who knows? No, I, no, I, no, I, no, we're good here. <laughs> Mike's baritone was, if, I, if you remember that correctly. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Um, all right, next one. Also titled Needs a New Co-host. <laughs> <laughs> These were not screened, by the way. <laughs> this is from Cameron Smith and Stephen Meek. So really, this is two reviews. Because wow. we got two people we're in. three. Singer is fantastic, but his co-host is intolerable. That That, that is... Ooh. We're gonna, two we're, stars, we're gonna by need, the way. We're going to need to gas up Matt two, at some two, point. Two stars. Uh, yeah, listen, Cameron Smith and Stephen Meek, just give us five stars. That's all I'm saying. I Yes, I know I'm intolerable. You think I don't know? I got to wake up and look in the mirror at this guy every day. I, I know what's going on, but please, five stars. That's uh, all I'm saying. Okay. We got one more. Aaron Ontiveros. Thank you. This is from Sister Tofu. Came on September 24th. Five stars. Already off to a good start. Fun to listen to even for a non-sports junkie. Funny and clever. Huh. All right. All right. <laughs> that, we'll that's, take that. that seems good. Sister Tofu. Brother what? Tofu. Oh, uh, oh I'm sorry. I, I, and I forgot the title is Mike Singer is the best. Mm-hmm. There you go. Another fan, Mike. Nice. Yes. At least it didn't say something about the co-host having to be booted from the show. Intolerable. <laughs> A trifecta. So, all right, Mike, um, you're off to Chicago. Uh, I'm sure uh, we'll be having plenty of fun out there. Um, any other thoughts you want to impart before we say goodbye to our lovely listeners? I can't believe uh, I can't believe it. We're back. It, it was an exciting summer. A lot of stuff happened. I think that there is warranted the optimism and the excitement that is brewing around this team. Um, and I think you know, you, longtime listeners know, like we've been invested. The Denver Post has been invested. Obviously, we appreciate and understand you guys being invested. This is it. This is uh, this is when it's about to get fun. So uh, appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, thank you so much, and thank you for joining me, Mike. We'll be back again soon. All good, man. Turn around. You're living in the shadow of someone else.